My name is Adele Campbell. I will be your scripture reader this morning. Our Old Testament reading is from the second book of Samuel, chapter 7, verses 12 to 16. <clears throat> when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> the second reading is from the Good News according to Luke, chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by the words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength, our rock, our redeemer. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. So a few years ago in a sermon, my friend and mentor Ed Searcy was preaching on today's text, the Annunciation, the Angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary that she would become pregnant with Jesus. Of course, Mary herself points out that she's a virgin, so how could this be? This little scripture, my friend Ed said, was the source of so much confusion and struggle and controversy. Opponents of the early Christians laughed at the idea that a virgin could give birth, and so do contemporary ones as well. You may think of it yourself and laugh too. Things like this just don't happen every day, now do they? Then again, Ed said, a virgin birth might be low on the list of fantastical things Christians believe. Maybe a bit more unusual than water into wine, for sure. You know, that, we, could, we could get into that, couldn't we? But I mean, what's a little Holy Spirit baby compared to, say, being dead and walking out of a tomb three days later? Or the creation of the universe out of nothing? Ed said that the virgin birth really seems like small potatoes comparatively. We're already in for a penny, as the old saying goes. Might as well be in for a pound. Now, it's true that some of us do struggle, if not most of us, with the possible scientific issues surrounding any virgin birth, let alone the virgin birth. Skepticism is, of course, completely understandable, and uh, you're welcome here anyway. This is not me just saying, well, virgin birth, and uh, if you don't like it, get out of here now. Um, <laughs> You're welcome, just to get it out of the way, so you can unclench your teeth um, and just enjoy the service from this point on. Having said that, though, there are things we miss when we make the question all about biology. I mean, just imagine the author of today's text, traditionally Luke the physician, guided by grace, sitting down to write this passage, and he thinks to himself, when I am done, people will absolutely convinced that virgins can have babies. I mean, of course not. Of course, Luke, as it happened, but it's the meaning that is just as crucial. The meaning that's just as crucial. Questions about God, questions about who Jesus is and who we're supposed to be too. We missed some of the most important stuff if did it really happen 
is the only question that we are asking of this scripture test. We miss some of the meatiest stuff when we get hooked on the biology. Now one question we miss is this, and the question is, so what? The question is, so what? Why does this whole story about Mary and the angel matter in the first place? To put it more bluntly, why should we care? Even if the virgin birth is true, why should we care? And one of my favorite theologians, the great Swiss Protestant Karl Barth, you know, that's the book on your bedstand this Christmas, isn't it? You know, besides, uh, you know, beside Dickens, you've got your Karl Barth, Church Dogmatics, Volumes 1 through 13. What shall, I, what shall we read to each other tonight, honey? <laughs> Maybe just my house. Uh, or it's, Cheyenne, what should I read to you? No. Um, Karl Barth says that this whole scene has less to do with deciphering Jesus' DNA. Like, if you tested him, would you find a little bit of Mary's DNA, a little bit of the Holy Spirit's? Then it has to do with God and who God is and what God is up to. Barth, Barth says that the miracle that Jesus has no earthly father means that in the event of Jesus' conception, God deals with his mother, Mary, as creator to the exclusion of male volition and action. I mean, this is like a favored, this is like one of the few things in Karl Barth that feminist theologians really like the exclusion of male volition and action. The relationship of this man, Jesus, to the Holy Spirit is so close and special that he owes no more and no less than his existence itself as such to the Holy Spirit. But in the Old and New Testaments, the Holy Spirit is God himself in his creative movement to his creation. God deals with Mary as creator to the exclusion of of male volition and action. God deals with Mary as creator, which is to say this. If Joseph or any other human were the father, anybody else could take credit for this baby and this work, and of course, we would. We would. I mean, think about it. Most of pregnancy isn't a matter of choice. I mean, once the baby's in there, you don't really have much control. Uh, size, how far you are, you know, what size of various fruits the baby is, like if it's the size of a date or a pomegranate or, you know, whatever the next biggest size, baby size is, really big orange, I don't know. You know, you don't really have control over how far you are along. You might have a due date, but the baby will come when the baby comes. I speak of this, of course, as an expert in the field. Um, but the only thing we have much control over is the first thing. The thing that sets it all into motion. The act that starts the whole process. And here God even takes that part away from Joseph, from Mary, and from us, the whole thing is God's initiative from beginning to end. In the same way, the Holy Spirit 
hovered over the waters at creation. You can turn to the first book, the first few verses of the Bible in Genesis. The Spirit water, the Spirit hovers over the waters at creation in the same way the Spirit hovers over Mary. In the same way God ignited the Big Bang, in the same way God brought the universe into being, in the same way God brought something out of nothing, God's doing the same here with Mary and with Jesus. It's God's work from beginning to end. So if the only question that we have about the virgin birth is if we can include it in our genetics textbooks or not, we miss the so what. We miss the point. We miss who God is. We miss what God does in Mary in conceiving him in her womb, and we miss what God does in our world. And what does God do exactly? It says right here in the text, you will name him Jesus, the angel says. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and his kingdom will have no end. His kingdom will have no end. In Mary, God is bringing the Messiah into the world, the anointed one, the one sent by God to set the world right. The world as it is, the world as we know it, life that is nasty, brutish, and short, a world of violence, a world of oppression, of hunger, of disease, of shame and suffering, cruelty, sadness, environmental degradation, war, a world in the chains of sin and death, into this world, into our bodies, into our very selves, God is sending a Savior. I mean, the name Jesus means God saves. God is sending a solution, a cure for what ails us. This God does in the virgin birth. In the end, this little Jesus-shaped smudge on the ultrasound is going to come to term. And when he does, the world's going to be set on a whole new course. In Jesus, the gates of the fortress we call the human condition are opened wide. They've been breached. He's the first domino in the long string of salvation. In the same way that the Spirit hovers over the waters, giving birth to creation, in Jesus' creation is being reborn. Humanity is being reset and made new. And there's nothing that you have to do to make it happen. Humanity is being reset, being made new, and there's nothing that you've got to do to make it happen. I mean, this sounds troubling and disempowering, like I thought that I was going to be the one to save the world. But this is good news. This is good news. This is the declaration of the gospel in the virgin birth, the whole scene with Mary and the angel and Christmas itself, that there's nothing that we've got to do to fix the world. There's nothing that we've got to do to fix the world. 
but that in Jesus, God is going to get what God wants in the end. In Jesus, God's going to get all of it. And that's the true miracle, really. Again, virgin birth, tiny thing compared to the big thing that it points to. Virgin birth, penny, God's kingdom, pound. Now, of course, you'll notice that there is one thing that Mary does. I mean, Mary says this. God says he's going to usher in the kingdom for which there shall be no end, God's beautiful future. And in response, Mary says, here I am. Here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Okay, Lord, she says. You're going to use me to get this whole thing done. Sounds impossible, but I believe. I believe you can get it done. Sounds impossible, but I am going to say yes. Because I trust that with you all things are possible. I know that one day the saints are going to go marching in. And I want to be in that number. God says, in this little baby, I'm going to do all this. To which Mary simply replies, yes. Let's do it. Now, the best news, the centerpiece of the gospel of the Christian message is God's coming kingdom. Swords into plowshares, enemies reconciled, sins forgiven and wiped off the face of the earth, the human heart completely remade into pure love, every tear wiped away, all things made new. The best news is that that's going to happen whether we like it or not. No matter what I do or fail to do, God's is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever world without end. And in the end, it is music. It is those heavenly angel choirs we hear singing on Christmas Day forever and ever and ever. It's a metaphor. It's not literal. It doesn't mean that you'll have to listen to Christmas music forever and ever and ever. Because, you know, working in a grocery store, I know that that could be hell instead of heaven. (laughs) But that's the promise. All things made new forever and ever and ever. Heaven and nature sing. And our role in it all, we are Mary in all this. And Mary is the first disciple. Mary is the first disciple. We're Mary in this, and all we've got to do, it seems so simple, so crazy, so astounding, is believe that it's true. (laughs) Believe that it is true and say yes when it comes. In the same way a baby completely restructures their mother's life to let Christ change us inside out. This is the meaning of faith. Believing that the gospel is true and trusting God and letting it all change us. Like I said, so simple. You know, the Protestants said, Salvation by faith alone. 
And that's what they meant. This is the darkest time of the year. Clouds, both literal and figurative, loom over many of our lives. Depression and anxiety, a lot of us look at the state of things and can't conceive much of a life or a future. This is news for us. This is news for you. Because the Lord brings life where there never was life before. In Christ, the seed has already been planted in creation and has already been planted in you. For you, there is hope and there is always hope. It ain't over till Jesus says that it's over. You can meet each day with the holy yes reporting for divine service because you know that that's how the story ends. It ends with music. As impossible as that may sound. And this time is especially time of year is especially hard for families. Maybe you've got a kid or maybe you've got parents, someone in your life that is particularly hard to love right now. Impossible even. But take heart because you can do it. You can do it. Not because you've got it in you somewhere, because you don't. None of us do. But because in Mary's case, Christ is in you in utero. You can do the impossible because the Lord promises to do all the heavy lifting. All the heavy lifting. The good news is that in Christ, God is changing the world. That is the good news. God is changing the world. Our role is simply getting used to it. Having faith. Believing that in the same way God brought something out of nothing in the beginning, in the same way God brings Jesus out of nothing into the womb of Mary, that God can do the same with us. God can do the same with you. Not just that God can, but God will. If we're willing to say, yes, I'm here. Let it be with me according to your word. So, brothers and sisters, may it be with you as it was with Mary. May you surrender to God's grace. May it be with you, as it was with her, according to God's word. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
please remain standing as we will recite together the words from the ancient uh, Nicene Creed, which says at the end of it that we believe in the world, life of the world to come. So let's say it together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the heart of the Holy Spirit, Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated.